storm, the ingredients of a storm. Notice in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 3. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now this, of course, is talking about John the Baptist. And he was the voice of one crying in the wilderness. And he cried out, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. He was the forerunner. Of the Lord Jesus Christ. And his job was to prepare the way and to get the people ready for God's greatest gift, who, of course, is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And that was John's ministry, was to get the people ready. Notice this, get the people ready. Get the atmosphere ready for the Lord Jesus to come on the scene. And so his ministry was one of preparation. Now, next Sunday, God is sending us, uh, very supernaturally I might add, sending us gifts. Gifts. We're having guest ministers next week. Uh, we need to treat them as though Jesus Christ himself was coming here in the flesh. Now, we understand that Jesus is here, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst. But he also has gifts. And uh, notice in Ephesians, the fourth chapter and the eighth verse, notice, and that's what I'm doing today, is I'm just getting you ready and preparing you for these Gifts that God's sending us next week. Uh, this couple, the Durants, I know uh, they worked very closely with the foremost prophet of our day, Brother Hagen, Kenneth E. Hagen. And they worked with him in the healing lines. I know Ann Durant worked with him very closely in the healing lines. Brother Hagen had one of the most outstanding healing ministries that uh, that we've ever seen. Since the Lord Jesus Christ. A wonderful healing ministry. Now you understand Brother Hagen can't heal anybody. No more than I can heal anybody. Do you understand that? It's the anointing. Uh, but this girl, uh, Ann Durant, worked very closely with him in, 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 the, in the healing lines. As he prayed for the sick. And the same anointing that was on him is on her. And so we need to be sure that we understand that. And understand that God is sending us a, a very, very wonderful gift next week. Now, uh, you realize that, and, and because you are a part of this church, there's a healing ministry uh, on, on my wife and I, a healing anointing. He's given us a healing ministry. So many of you are very accustomed to the healing anointing, but there are different anointings. And there are more powerful anointings. And then some... Ministers are anointed more to flow in one area of healing. I know I'm thinking of one minister now. Just about everybody he prayed for, uh, their backs would get healed. I know I was there. I'd watch it. This man, just about everybody he'd pray for. Now, he couldn't heal anybody, but just about everybody he'd pray for, their backs would get healed. 
I remember I went with this particular minister to a meeting over in South St. Louis when I was just a, a younger boy, probably about 19, 20, 21. And this lady came in and they, I mean, she'd barely walk in. I mean, she was bent over and just, just, just couldn't hardly walk in. And this man prayed for her at the end of the service and she's running around the building. Praise God. And so just about everybody, and I watched it over the years that had back issues, uh, this man would pray for them and the power of God would flow through their body and heal them. So you're accustomed to the healing anointing, but you need to realize that there are different anointings and God flows in different ways. And so we're going to get to experience a, a, a healing anointing next Sunday morning and evening, Sunday morning, 10, Sunday night at six. I expect you all to come be there at both both sessions. God has something really good for us next week. Again, we've had many guest ministers over the years, but these are coming. The other ones have always come through the inward leading peace versus no peace, you know. Uh, but this one's coming next week. These folks are coming at, at the direct direction of the Holy Ghost. Very supernatural the way he, he set this up. So you need to get in on it because God's got something for you. He's got something for you. And if you don't come, you're going to miss out on something. You really, really are. There's something special going to happen next next Sunday morning and evening. You need to be here for for your own benefit. Did you understand what I just said? Now, notice here in Ephesians 4, verse 8, he says... Uh, when he ascended on high, talking about Jesus, he led captivity captive. And uh, much we could say about that, but for the sake of time, let's just go on here. And gave what? What did he give? He gave, he gave what? He gave gifts to men. Now you wonder what those gifts are. Verse 11. He himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. These are God's gifts, ministry gifts, to the body of Christ. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. These are God's gifts, ministry gifts. Now, these aren't the gifts of the Spirit. Those are listed over in 1 Corinthians. You know, tongues, interpretation, tongues, prophecy, special kind of faith, uh, working of miracles, gifts of healings, tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy, etc., there's nine of them. Did we get all nine of them? Tongues, interpretation, tongues, prophecy, right? And then there's, those are the utterance gifts. The power gifts are special faith, working of miracles, and uh, gifts of healings. And then there's word of, oh yeah, that's it. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge. And uh, now let's get these. We're going to, to prophecy, there we go, utterance gifts. Those are the nine gifts of the Spirit. These are the ministry gifts here. Let's say it. Say apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. You see that? And uh, and I fit in that list somewhere or another. And, uh, and these folks coming next week fit in this list. And these are God's gifts. Now, what are they for? Verse 12. For the equipping of the saints... For the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now that's why they're coming. They've got something from God for us, for you, for me, for us here at this church. Now, uh, having said that, uh, I want to say this. Uh, God... Because we're going to say some more about these gifts. We need to 
realize that God's gifts are precious. And we should look at them as such and treat them as such. I'm going to say more about that here in a moment. But uh, did you talk to Trayvon about my message today? Did you say anything to him about the... Anything? See, if you, you, know, you wouldn't know this, but I caught it. One of the first things came out of his mouth this morning is he, when he stood up there. Uh, does anybody know what one of the first things he talked about out of his mouth? Did anybody catch it? Did you catch it? What did he say? Prepare an atmosphere. Did he, didn't he say something about atmosphere? Now that's what we're talking. I got right here. God works in atmospheres. Now I didn't say that to exalt Trayvon, but he see he's hooked into the same Holy Ghost I'm hooked into. God wants to say something to us today about atmosphere. Realize, say atmosphere. And you need to hang on every word. Now. I didn't realize this until I stepped onto the other side of the pulpit and became a, uh, and stepped into the ministry. How important the atmosphere is in, in, in a church service. How important the atmosphere is. And I didn't realize how big a part the congregation played. Now listen to this. I didn't realize how big a part the congregation played in getting out of a service all that God wants done. Did you get what I just said? In other words, when I was, before I was in the ministry, when I was out here, uh, a lot of times I just came to spectate. A lot of times I'd, I have to admit it, I'd, I'd come in late. How many of you know anybody's going to be late once in a while? There's a difference between being late once in a while and having a lifestyle of it. Is that right? Is that right or not? Right. And uh, we'll say more about that probably in a minute. But when I was sitting out here, before I stepped on the other side of the pulpit, I didn't realize how important me sitting out here, how important that was. I thought that ministry just had to do with the worship team and the pastor. But did you know that to get all out of a service that God wants... Not only does the worship team need to be anointed and flowing with the Holy Spirit, not only does the pastor need to be anointed and flowing with the Holy Spirit, but you need to be anointed and flowing with the Holy Spirit. Did you get what I just said? Are you sure? Did you get that? I've already, I've been doing this now, pastor in this church, next Sunday it'll be 21 years, almost to the day. And... uh I didn't realize this until just just we'd just been in ministry just a short time of, of preaching and ministering. And, and there's been, I would say, uh, let's just do a little quick math. Twenty one years. What's twenty one times fifty? Because we'll figure two Sundays you get snowed out a year. So let's just for twenty one times fifty. What is that? Huh? One thousand twenty. So we've done over a thousand services. And I would say that. I would say that probably uh, better than half of those, better than half of those, we didn't get all out of what out of the service what God had for us. And on some of the occasions, it, it, it was it, I probably wasn't as uh, ready as I should have been. But so many times it was because God wanted to do things, but the congregation wouldn't. Would, would, wouldn't get in there and flow and let, let, let it happen. Did you hear what I just said? Did you hear what I just said? Did you get that? 
All kinds of things affect it. You might think that you don't really affect the service. You might think, well, I'm just sitting out here. Nobody even really knows who I am. But you need to realize that every time the Bible says one can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand. Every time you get somebody in agreement, you get ten times stronger. And every time you got somebody sitting there that's not really hooked in, you get ten times weaker. Or we'll say it another way, you're ten times less strong than you could be. I don't think people realize it. But I know in the healing lines over the years, and uh, I know we've, we've got a much, much uh, more dedicated group of folks than, we, than we've ever had. But over the past years, even back into the school and when we first got into the building, and the first years in the building, I remember on a Sunday morning, we'd preach and minister, and then we'd get into the, those healing lines. And God did some outstanding things in those healing lines over the years. But it always befuddled me you'd you'd start praying for the sick and uh you'd have about half or better of the congregation just walk up and get up and leave that because they had to go eat eat lunch and i'm up here praying for the sick and you'd have probably half of the congregation headed for the headed for the uh uh for the for the parking lot and and it 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 did it now some ministers argue with me on this but it affected the anointing it 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 affected the cuz it, it's it's disrespectful how many of you can see where i'm coming from now again there's always exceptions somebody's got to go to work or somebody has a phone call comes emergency we're not we're, you understand we're not talking about those exceptions we're talking about as a general rule how many of you, if you were sitting down talking to the Reverend Billy Graham, how many of you would just get right up in the middle of that and walk out on him? Would anybody do that? Not if you had any sense, you wouldn't. But how many of you know we're dealing with somebody greater, far greater than Billy Graham? We're dealing with Jesus. Is that right? We're dealing with the Holy Ghost. Is that, is that right? So we don't want to do anything to disrespect him. And you need to realize that you play such a vital role in getting out of a service what the Holy Ghost wants done, you play a massive vital role. It's not just it's not just the pastor, it's not just the uh, worship team, but it's uh, it's the uh, the congregation. I know that in worship. Now I'm not a worship leader. I'm not I'm not very uh, talented at all with music. But I know that uh, over the years, sometimes we've had folk complain and say, well, you know, the worship team was 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 more exuberant or whatever. But yet that person complained. And if you look at them during worship. But yet they want to worship, you know, we got to give the worship team something to work with. Did you hear what I just said? How many remembers E.L.V.I.S.? How many remembers him? I remember his concerts when he'd come out on the stage, the people would go nuts. Is that right? Do you realize that probably about half of half or better of 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 the excitement and the thing that made his concerts all what they were? And he'd tell you this. I've heard him say it. It wasn't him. It was the electricity that was in that in that audience. Did you hear what I just said? And there's something about atmospheres, and, and I'm telling you, the, the congregation, the audience, whatever you want to call it, plays a vital role to get that electricity going. I don't know, if you ever watched a tennis match or, or, a, or a golf match and, and on television, or a football, let's take the Super Bowl. 
Super Bowl. How many watch the Super Bowl? Just about everybody can relate with that. All right, let's just let's just say that 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 the crowd in there during the Super Bowl, they've made the decision they're not going to say a word. They're not going to do anything. They're not going to they're not going to do no hip hip rah rah. They're nothing. They're just going to sit there like that. Now let me ask you a question: Would the Super Bowl be as exciting to watch if the crowd wasn't going berserk nuts? No. Have you ever been to a Cardinal game? Have you ever been there when, when the place was about a third full and, and, and the Cardinals were losing? And it's just, it's just a, not, a, not a fun atmosphere, is it? But you go down there during a World Series game and they're winning. Like when uh, that one fella, oh, what was his name? He hit that home run. Huh? David Freeze. When he hit that home run... I mean, I was standing there in the, in, in, the, in the bedroom getting ready to go to bed. My wife was, had already about half asleep, and I just about screamed, because I'd about ready to turn TV off. And, and, I, and he hit that thing over there, and I mean, that whole place went nuts, didn't it? Didn't it go nuts? And, and I went nuts. I, Diane came flying almost up out of the bed, you know. But see, it created an atmosphere. Now, what, what do you think would have happened when he hit that if everybody would have... Oh, it, would have, it wouldn't have been near as... Do you understand what I'm saying? And the same thing is really true in a, in a, in a church service. If you can, if you can get, get the congregation wound up and stirred up, not just for the sake of hilarity, or, but I mean they're just hooked on, just hanging on everything the Holy Ghost wants done. And you get the worship team flowing on all cylinders. You get the pastor flowing on all cylinders. You get the congregation flowing on all cylinders. My goodness gracious, you can have yourself a, a, a time where it's like the like heaven comes down and kisses the earth and we get caught in the middle of a smack. That's what happens. Did you hear what I just said? I tell you what, I preached in a in an all black church over in uh, over in Kinlock one time, and I got up to try to teach. And I, I I tell you what, I I love black people. Did you hear what I just said? I love all colors people. You understand that? But I tell you what, I was a a a, a, a white fellow there in an, in an all black church, and I got up because I just preached to white congregations all my life, and I got up to teach in the black church, and I tried to teach, and they weren't going to let me teach. It was preaching or nothing. They wanted some preaching. You hear what I'm saying? They wanted some. They want. You know what I'm saying? And I got to going, and I've never preached like this before or since. But uh, for Arnand, uh, for, what is his name? Orlando, uh, Fernando came over to the organ and started playing. And I tell you what the power of God hit me. The power, see, the power of God was already on that congregation. They were ready to go. They didn't want me standing up there just dead and dry. They wanted some. They wanted some fire. And so the power of God hit me. And I tell you what, I started preaching. I started dancing. I started doing everything. I took my coat off at one point. I say this. This is true. There was a lady on the second row. She had a big old hat on with feathers on it, and sitting right behind Diane. I was so excited. I was going to knock that hat right off her head. And I took my coat and I slung it at her. And it was headed. It was going to be a successful hit. I'm telling you. And Diane stood up and grabbed the coat and pulled it down before it hit this lady and knocked the hat right off her head. You never know. She might need to be healed. You might have kept her from a healing. There's anointing in that coat. Did you hear what I just said? See, this church could use a little bit of that. We could use a little bit. I mean, it's a little excitement. You hear what I'm saying? Can you say amen? 
And you know, it's really hard. I'd like to see any of you come up here sometimes when the power of God hits me. And I, and I learned just a long time ago. I'm just going to plow right through you. I'm just going to plow. If you, if you get in with me and get fine, if you don't, I'm going to just have me a good old time in the Holy Ghost anyway. And you sit, sat there many times and watch me just, I just preach right through you. You can sit there and look at me and just look as bored as can be. But I've got over it a long time ago. I'm going to just flow. If I got to flow right through and just keep right on a preacher. Can you say amen? Just keep right on going. Amen. And sometimes he'll hook in with me and we'll get all that. And see, this is not about hilarity. It's not a, it's about getting the anointing of God flowing. The anointing of God flows like electricity. And I've already, I felt the anointing of God. It's like electricity. The anointing of God in the spirit realm is, it's like electricity in the natural realm. And you know, there's things that'll conduct electricity and there's things that won't. You can get electricity flowing right along and it runs into a rubber tire. It's gonna just, is that right? Because that rubber tire, unless I'm wrong, it won't conduct the electricity. Is that right? So you want, we want, we don't want to be old rubber tires. We want to, we want to be a conduit for the flow of the Holy Ghost. Do you understand? Did you hear what I just said? Alright? Can you say amen? amen. There you go. Alright. So, I didn't realize what a big part the crowd played. Now, you need to realize God works in atmospheres. God works in atmospheres. Now, sometimes in his sovereignty, he'll bypass the atmosphere and just move and just heal and just bless. But that's the exception and not the rule. Normally, God requires an atmosphere to move in. It's kind of like weather, and I'm talking to you about the ingredients of a storm. But have you ever heard them on Cindy or Dave or Kent on channel 245? You ever heard them? And they'll say the snow was headed this way. And all the little kids are just excited. They're going to get off school the next day. But when it got to St. Louis, it ran into some dry air and the snow couldn't make it to the ground. Is that right? So, so, so the conditions were, 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 were there, but there was something that, that fouled, fouled it up and it didn't let the snow get to the ground. Also, uh, you know, can you ever walk outside some, sometimes in the summertime or whatnot? Or uh, Several years ago, uh, a couple years back on in November, I walked out one day and it was like 90 degrees in the middle of November, somewhere like that. It shouldn't be 90 degrees in the middle of November. And it, it was sticky and still and, and then we had tornadoes later that day. See, uh, you know, you can tell when you go outside if the, if the conditions are ripe for a thunderstorm. You know what I'm saying? Well, the same thing's true in the spiritual realm. You can get conditions where they're just right for the Holy Ghost to move. Or you can get the conditions where, where it's just so dead and dry and just nothing going on that the Holy Ghost is just not, not going to flow. Look at Mark, the fifth chapter in the 36th verse. Look at Mark, the fifth chapter in the 36th verse. Let me give you some scripture for, for what I've just said. As soon as Jesus, this is Mark 5, 36, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, because Jairus had come to him and said, My daughter's at home, laying at the point of death, will you come and help her? And he said to the ruler of the synagogue, don't be afraid, only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue. And notice what Jesus saw. He saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. Now, is this a, an atmosphere that you'd really want to be around? Ooh, ooh, ooh. 
Now, actually, you study into this. Now, now if somebody's sick, somebody's getting ready to die, it's just normal. You're going to be sad and, and crying. These were actually, as I've studied into it, these were professional mourners. These are people that had come out and mourn when somebody was about to die. And it was just a horrible atmosphere that Jesus walked into. And notice here, he said to them in verse 39, Why make this commotion and weep? The child's not dead, but sleeping. That's good news, isn't it? But look at verse 40. What did they do to God's greatest gift? Did they esteem him? They, what did they do? They, they, made, they ridiculed him. Well, I think one version says they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all outside... He needed to put them out. He needed to put out the doubt and the unbelief because when you've got this doubt and this unbelief and this ridicule and this scorning going on, that is a bad atmosphere. Did you hear me? Bad atmosphere. So he puts them out. Jesus puts them out. He takes the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him entered where the child was laying. He took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha kumni, which is translated, little girl, I say to thee, arise. Immediately the girl arose, walked, for she was 12 years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. Now, you see, Jesus created an atmosphere for the power of God to move, and great things took place once the atmosphere was right. Is that correct? Do you see that? Now look at Mark, the sixth chapter in the first verse. He went out from there and came to his own country. And his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And and with what uh, wisdom is this which is given him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Now they were aware, these people in his hometown were aware that there were mighty works being performed by his hands. But notice here, they said, is this, is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? So they were just excited that he was there. They were just hanging on every word. They were esteeming God's great gift. No, they were what? They were offended at him. And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without what? If you don't honor God's gifts, you're not going to get out of those gifts what God wants you to get. If you don't honor those gifts, you're not going to get out of those gifts what God wants you to get. And Jesus said that a prophet is not without honor except his own country among his own relatives and in his own house. They were not honoring him. They were offended at him. And notice verse 5, he could do no mighty work there. Jesus could do no mighty work there. Why? Because they were offended at him. They did not honor him. The atmosphere was not conducive for the power of God to flow. Except he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. That wasn't the will of God. The will of God was for them to have a powerful move of the Spirit of God. And everybody get healed. They just got a little bit of what God had for them. Was it Jesus' fault? Now, whose fault was it? It was the crowd. It was the crowd. It was the crowd. It was the crowd. That's why I said a while ago so many times over the years, just, just in our ministry, we've seen and it, it, I've seen so many times where we didn't get all what God had for us because it's, the people weren't hanging on every word, weren't, weren't hooked in. They weren't. Now, you need to understand that I know this, that you don't have to be hooping and hollering to be 
hanging on every word. Did you get what I just said? Because a lot of times people are listening, and I understand that. There's nothing worse than, than having a preacher that doesn't understand that and having a preacher that thinks you need to be yelling and screaming and going on to be getting anything. I know that you don't have to be yelling and screaming and going on. You can be sitting there hanging on every word, just being as quiet as can be. But, 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 I, but I also know that somewhere in there, you know, that, that there ought to be some exuberance at some point. Is that right? Something. He marveled because of their what? Unbelief. Unbelief. Will not conduct the power of God. Will not. And he went about the villages in a circuit teaching Jesus is good. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So he didn't give up on him. He just, just kept on teaching and going on. Trying to get some faith into him. Do you see that? Notice Mark 7 verse 32. Watch this. Mark 7, verse 32. Then they brought to him one, they brought to Jesus one who was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. And they begged him to put his hand on him. And he took him aside from the multitude. Now people have asked me over the years, why did Jesus take this man aside from the multitude? I'm convinced it it was because in that multitude was a bunch of doubt and unbelief. It wasn't an atmosphere where... God would be able to move in. Did you hear me? And we learned something else. You don't have to have a multitude of people to have an atmosphere where God can move. A lot of people think that unless we're around a great multitude, we can't have God move. No, here there was a great multitude and Jesus had to get this guy out out away from the multitude to help him. I'm convinced because there was so much doubt and unbelief in the multitude, that atmosphere was so dead and dry and dull unbelief that he had to get him out of there to help him he took him aside from the multitude put his fingers in his ears and spit and touched his tongue (coughs) would jesus do something out of the ordinary like spit and touch a guy's tongue or make clay and put it in somebody's eyes yeah we've had the holy ghost i've had him move on me uh, any number of times over the years I remember one condition, a, a girl came into the line, she had an ulcerated, uh, uh, her eye was ulcerated, uh, something in cornea, ulcerated, it looked horrible, looked, looked in danger of losing her vision, and uh, or, or having her vision uh, seriously impaired, and uh, I remember as she stood in the line, I could have just prayed for her generally, but that's not what the Spirit of God wanted done. Uh, actually, the, the Spirit of God dealt with my heart. As, as a young boy, when we first started in the healing ministry, and he said to me that there would be times that he would direct me to do unusual things to people. And, uh, and, and so, uh, and when, when that would happen, if they'd yield, that they'd be they healed almost instantly, or just, just, just almost right on the spot. And we've seen that again and again over the, over the many years. We've, we've seen it again and again. Over the many years, I remember first time I'm going down the line, and uh, this was up up at the school. We started praying for the sick up at the school when we started the church some 21 years ago. This was about t- uh, two years into it, maybe three years into it. We were out there in that in that stage area, and I was going down the line praying for the sick, and I came up on a guy who had stomach problems, and the Spirit of God directed me, spoke to me in my heart, just. 
pop him in the tummy. And I didn't do it because I didn't want to make anybody upset or upset this guy or upset anybody or look strange or look crazy. So I went on. And you can see as you go on, you're just missing it. You're getting further away from God. So I went back to him. I said, come back here. Sir, can I pop you in the tummy? He said, go ahead. Are you going to hit me hard? I said, no, not too hard. We're just going to hit you. So in the name of Jesus, I just popped him in his stomach. He was instantly healed. Can you say amen? And we've seen that again and again and again. Coming down the line one time, uh, there's a lady standing right about in here. She had a big old golf ball lump on the back of her neck. And uh, I, I just went on. I didn't want to didn't do anything outlandish. But, but the Spirit of God told me to slap that thing and curse it. I went, so I came back. I said, I said, dear sister, can I slap that and curse? She said, go right ahead. So we popped it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Cursed it. Within 24 hours, she came back and testified to my wife. The thing was completely gone. Can you say Amen. Glory to God. I remember the girl standing here, ulcerated uh, 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 cornea. And phew, Spirit of God said, blow in the eye. And I so okay. I said, is it okay? Can I blow in your eye? You don't blow in people's eyes unless you ask their permission. And so, uh, I, and so I, in the name of the Lord Jesus, blew in her eye. And, and, and the thing, within just a real quick time, totally healed. Can you say Amen. I remember one night I was standing, this was a Wednesday night, when we had Wednesday night cry, uh, services, uh, standing right in here, and I was about to close the service down, power of God came on me, I ran around this section right here, got back up here to the front, danced a little jig in the Holy Spirit, acted like, thought I, you know, felt like a fool, and I asked my wife later that night, uh, you know, uh, I felt like a fool, did I look like a fool? She still hasn't answered me to this day on that. But I know the next day the call comes in and there was a lady right back over here in this section. Somebody said, why do you tell these stories over and over again? Because they build faith in you, you see. They build faith in you, you see. And so she right back over here, she calls in and she says, you didn't know this, but she said, my belly had been blown up like a basketball. She said, for the last several days or weeks, whatever it was, she said, I hadn't been able to eat regularly, hadn't hardly been able to eat anything. Said when the pastor, uh, she, she gave the testimony to my assistant, when said when the pastor ran past me, she says, like fire jumped off. See, the, that's the anointing, the electric, like fire jumped off on me. She said, it hit me in the stomach and she said, my stomach deflated and she said, I was able to go out that night and have a have something to eat. Can you say amen? Can you say amen? Jesus is in the healing business. But we have to create an atmosphere for him to move, see. Did you hear me? Anyway, then looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Epaphita, be opened. Immediately his ears were opened and pediment of his tongue was loosed and he spoke plainly. Can you say amen? Look at Mark 8.22 And he came to Bethsaida Jesus came to Bethsaida And they brought a blind man to him And begged him to touch him And uh, he took the blind man by the hand And led him out of the town And when he'd spit in his eyes, put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. He looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Then he put his hands in his eyes again and made him look up. Is it it scriptural to have hands laid on you more than once? Well, Jesus did it here. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. And he sent him away to his house saying, neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town. Now notice here, Jesus 
took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And then he told the guy after he got him healed not to go back in the town. Now, why did he lead him out of the town? Why did he tell him not to go back in the town? Because Jesus had been to that town before. Bethsaida. He'd been to it before. And he went in there and it was a time when God sovereignly moved because God is sovereign. And he bypassed the atmosphere and he went in there and he moved and he did some of his most mighty, powerful miracles, signs and wonders in this city, in this town of Bethsaida sometime before. And, and many people were healed and set free. Just a sovereign move of God. How many of you know God is a good God? Is that right? A sovereign move of God. And he went in there and he healed and, and the power of God moved. And you would think that this town would have repented, but they did not repent. And now Jesus is back in this same area and there's this man brought to him blind and he takes him out of the town. Why? Because that town had rejected what Jesus had done in in the sovereign move of God. And he went in there in his goodness and his mercy in a sovereign move of God. And the power of God flowed and people were healed and set free. But they did not repent. They rejected his ministry ultimately. So he's back in this same area at a later time. Bring a blind man to him. He brings him out of the town. He has to get him out of that place, you see, because they wouldn't repent. He brings him out of that place and he gets him healed. And then he says to him, don't go back into that place. Don't go back into that town. Don't go back in there. Because, you see, if that man would have went back into that place, he, he, he if he would have went back in there, I'm convinced he'd have lost his healing. I, I'm convinced he'd have lost his healing. Uh, there's a story told of this lady that she attended a church that didn't believe in the healing power of God. And she and she sat in her, her wheelchair sick for many years. And couldn't walk. And, and, and they believed that everything had passed away. And that all healing had passed away. And this had passed away. And that had passed away. And the Holy Ghost wasn't moving anymore. And she heard that there was a healing revival in the area. You see at another church. And so she went over there to that other church. Where the power of God was moving. And she went in there. And she got healed. Can you say amen? And then in the process of time. She she goes back to her church. And where they don't believe in anything. They don't believe in the power of God. They don't believe in the moving of the Holy Ghost. And in just a short period of time, that sickness came right back on her, you see. She shouldn't have went back to that place of doubt and unbelief. She should have stayed over there where the power of God was flowing. But thank God that woman had good sense. And she got out of that old dead dry place, went back over there where the power of God was moving. And she got her healing back and she kept it. Can you say amen? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Whoo, I feel the anointing of God. And so Jesus said you have to get him out of this We've got to get him out of here. We've got to take him out of here. Can't get him healed in this atmosphere. Can't get him healed in this atmosphere. We've got to take him, get him out of here. And then whatever you do, sir, don't go back into that, into that atmosphere. Don't go back into that atmosphere. Bethsaida. Bethsaida. Now the Holy Ghost running this pulpit. I'm not running the pulpit. My wife's not running the pulpit. Elders and deacons aren't running the pulpit. Holy Ghost running the pulpit. He wants me to say this right now. I don't know if you paid any attention. But on the eve of 9-11, just a few days ago, there was a rainbow came down. And it was on the news. A rainbow came down on that One World Trade Center in New York. I don't know if anybody saw that, but I sure did. Now, some months ago, 
the Supreme Court legalized gay marriage in all 50 states. And on that same night, not only was the White House lit up in the gay pride colors, shame on the president for doing that. And I say that as a man of God, that's a dangerous thing. When I saw that up there, I was exercising. I saw saw that on television. I said to my wife, my God, he needs to get those lights off. I said, if I was the president, I'd get those, get those, get those lights turned off. Not only that, they had those lights, the rainbow colors, on the one, one world trade in New York City. There's something about God and towers. You can go back into the Old Testament and you can see that. And they had the top of the world trade lit up in, in God's rainbow. There's seven colors, but if you look at the gay pride, there's six colors. Seven is number of God and six a number of man and much we could say about that. It's a dangerous thing to light the White House up in the gay pride color. It's a dangerous thing to light that, that, that one world trade tower up in the gay pride. It's dangerous. And this nation is basically, and the leadership of this nation is thumbing their nose and sticking it right, right, right under God's nose. And it's dangerous. And I've told you for years now that the judgment of God was pending on this nation. And God is a merciful God and He's a God of love and compassion. And he's slow to anger, but there is an angry side to God. There's a goodness and there's a severity. And they lit that up in those gay pride colors, rainbow colors. But on the eve of 9-11 of this, and this isn't in my sermon, but this is what the Holy Ghost wants me to say. Eve of 9-11, just a few days ago, you see God's rainbow comes down on that tower. And I believe, because see, people look at that and they'll misinterpret what God is saying. Now don't misunderstand me, my heart breaks for everybody that lost their life. On, on the 9-11 tax 2001. Don't misunderstand me. My, my heart breaks for the family. Don't misunderstand me. But people will look at that and misunderstand what's going on. I'm talking about on 9-10. Actually, that's my birthday. because Rainbow came down just a few days ago. How many saw that? I believe God is saying that that rainbow belongs to me. It's my rainbow And it is God's rainbow. Somebody, my God, ought to say amen. That's God's rainbow. Do you hear me? And I believe that that's no accident. That was just no happenstance when that rainbow came down. That's God's rainbow. I believe he was telling this nation, it's my rainbow. And there's something else you need to understand. That that rainbow is a symbol of covenant And it also has to do with judgment. The world had become so wicked that God flooded the place out in the flood of Noah's day. And after that flood, that rainbow, which belongs to God, he set it it in the sky as a covenant that he'd never destroy the earth with water again. Did you hear me? But that rainbow has to do with judgment and it has to do with covenant. And this nation has broken its covenant with Almighty God. And we've done it again and again and again. And I believe we've gone over the line when we legalized gay marriage. And when you take God's rainbow 
belongs to him. And then you attribute it to homosexuality, which he calls an abomination. That's desecrating the holy, dear friends. And then when you light that tower up with it, it's further desecrating. Then you light the White House up with it. It's like a triple desecration. And I'm telling you, what did they do before? Uh, remember what they did? Uh, they, they, uh, they're in the, in the book of Daniel. They brought the holy, they brought the holy elements out, the holy chalices out that was used in the temple of God. And they began to drink and make a party. And remember the handwriting on the wall and then judgment. Is that right? The nation was overthrown. Is that right? And, and the United States has broken its covenant with Almighty God. Do you hear me? And I believe that that rainbow that came down not many days ago, I'm convinced of it, that rainbow was God doing everything but screaming from heaven itself, saying, this is your last warning. I'm warning, I'm warning, I'm warning, I'm warning, I'm warning. Last warning. I believe it's his last warning. And God in his goodness and his mercy is trying to get us to see that this rainbow belongs to him. That, that, that we're, we're supposed to repent and get back in covenant with him and stand for him and not against him. And I want to tell you something else. And you listen to me and you mark this down. If we do anything to put Israel in harm's way, we are in danger here in this nation. Did you hear what I just said? Because, see, with the church, it's mercy and it's grace. But with Israel, it's still the law. And with Israel, it's still an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And judgment is quick and retaliation is quick. And I'm telling you, if we put Israel in harm's way, uh, Katie, bar the doors, hold on to your helmets, because it's not going to be good what's going to happen here in this nation. Did you hear what I just said? That's why we need to stay real close to Almighty God. Can you say Amen. I didn't intend to say any of that, but that just came out by the Holy Ghost. And, and, and that rainbow coming down, I don't know what else you need. That was God. He put that there on 9, 10, 15. He put that there on purpose. He put it there to say, I'm watching. I'm God. I'm watching. I know what's going on. I love you. Repent so I don't have to judge you. Can you say amen? Let me close this message up. Three ingredients of a storm. Thunderstorm. Three things you need. You need moisture. You need instability. And you need lift. A snowstorm. You need moisture. You need cold air aloft. Cold air at the ground. And you also need lift. That's for a thunderstorm and a snowstorm. But you need three ingredients for a God storm. And I'm going to close in just a few minutes here and tell you what these three ingredients are. The first ingredient is esteem. Real loud, say esteem. You need to esteem God's gifts and think highly of them and honor them and respect them. You need to treat God's gifts like you treat God himself. Jesus said to his disciples, remember when he sent them out two by two. How many remembers that? And he said, go into these different places. He says, those that receive you, let your peace come on. But he said, uh, he said, those that don't receive you, when you leave the town, shake the dust off the feet. Is that right? That's what Jesus thinks about people that don't receive his gifts. He'll shake the dust off again. Did you hear me? Jesus takes his gifts very, very personally. The Bible says, for sake of time, you can read this in 1 Thessalonians, Hebrews. He says, recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and esteem them very highly. 
New Living Translation says to honor them, show them great respect. I'm going to just tell you the honest to God truth. I'm not going to hold anything back here. I'm going to tell you. You don't know how many times in the last 21 years. Now, you're a good people. You're a loving people. I, I, I love you. I respect you. And I'm not really even talking so much now. Maybe we have a little bit of it now. But, 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 but over the years, I'm telling you, there's times the power of God was on me so strong on Saturday. On me so strong Saturday night, on me so strong Sunday morning, and I'd leave and I'd get to the school or I'd get here to the church, and by the time that I'd get in to, to, to the pulpit, that power of God had so dissipated, and we didn't, we didn't get hardly anything of what God had for us. Why? Because you look around at the atmosphere and you see people, I'm talking 21 years, you see people dragging, just dragging in, and they're dragging in late. I'm not talking, anybody's going to be late once in a while. I'm talking regular. They're dragging in. And then you, you have them that, oh, it was just such a tough week. Oh, I hurt so bad. Oh, Pastor Terry this. Oh, Pastor Terry that. And dragging in and just dragging in. And then we get up to start the worship service. And, and just, 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 just a handful of people there. And then by the time I get up to preach, the place is, is filled in. And, and, just, just, and, and by the time, I mean, God had something for people that day. He put it on me on, on Saturday. It was on me on Saturday. On me Saturday night. Got up so strong in the spirit on Sunday morning. But by the time you get into the pulpit, the thing is so dissipated. Now, guys, that's not the way it ought to be. I said, that's not the way it ought to be. I said, that's not the way it ought to be. I said, that's not the way it ought to be. Did you hear me? But rather, when I get here, you ought to be stirring me up. Come on, pastor. Do you got something from God today? Glory to God. Praise God. Get in that pulpit and turn old Tom loose. You know, that's an old saying. You don't know what I'm talking about. Turn, cut it loose. That's what we want. That's what we need. Do you hear me? But I tell you what I've learned is people can just suck not only the life out of you, but they can suck the anointing right off you and dissipate the whole thing to where nobody gets what they're supposed to get. No, be here regular. Be here. Now, I'm telling you right now, next week, don't, I don't want nobody, unless there's an exceptional thing, don't you come in late. You be here on time. Can you say amen? You say, if you don't esteem me, whatever you do, I want you esteeming these gifts that come next week. Did you hear what I said? You be here on time, unless there's something out of ordinary. You be here on time. You be here. I tell you what, if you really were anticipating and esteeming God's gifts, you wouldn't just, it wouldn't just be a matter of being a little bit late. My God, you'd be at the door waiting, waiting for the doors to open to get in here to get in on the flow of the Spirit of God. Some people wonder why things never go for them right in life. Why things don't ever get any better. Start esteeming the gift. Start esteeming the anointing of God. Starting esteeming the house of God. Can you say amen? Did you hear what I just said? The Bible says obey or yield to those who have the rule over you. When the leaders say, let's raise our hands, let's worship God, don't stand there like a, like a dead old stick. Raise your voice, raise your hands, let the anointing of God flow through you. Yeah, I'm getting on you a little bit. Why am I getting on you? Because I want all that God has for you. Did you, did you, did you hear me? You okay or you turn me off? Pastor, you just slap. Somebody said, what kind of preacher are you anyway? I'm the kind of preacher you need. Thank you. Glory to God. 
So you need to realize, say, esteem. And then you need expectancy. You need to have expectancy about you. And that's faith. There, You need to have faith. You need to be hoping for something. What did you come to church for this morning? Well, I don't know. Have a goal. Have something you came for. I came to get edified. I came to get built up. I came to get stirred up. My goodness gracious. Come with expectancy. Come hanging on every word. Hang on every word. I mean, my Lord, my God. Let me tell you something here now. Now let me ask you a question. Let me just ask you a question. Now, let me ask you a question. That's all right. I'm 52, but I'm still spry. I'm like Granny Clampett. Now, am I hanging on every word? Yeah. How would you like if I preached to you like this? Sometimes I wonder if somebody's just going to just fall out on the floor. You want me to preach to you like that? Well, come on, guys. Hang on every word. If nothing else, make me think you're paying attention. You follow what I'm saying? You okay? Why am I talking like this? Because I want you to get everything that you can out of what God has for you. And I'm telling you what, not only for next Sunday, but I tell you what, and most of all of you just just great. I don't even know if I if I'm I don't I'm not targeting anybody here. I'm just saying if you want this whole church to go up to the next level, if we do this regular week in, week out, week in, week out, week in, week out, just I mean, we're just honoring, we're anticipating, we're expecting and all of that. Praise God forevermore. You could take something and just make something just boom, just explode. Can you say amen? So real loud, say this, say 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 this. Say, say esteem. Now say this. Say expect. And then the last thing is, what you need is you need one accord. You go into the book of Acts, you can see when they got in one accord, we're talking about the ingredients of a storm. I tell you what, uh, you get people esteeming God's gifts, you get people expecting something good to happen and the power of God to move, and then you get everybody in unity, you get everybody in one accord. I looked at the book of Acts just yesterday, I looked at it again, and I saw when they got in, these people in the book of Acts, they came esteeming those apostles, esteeming those prophets they came esteeming god's gifts they were in expectancy they were expecting the power of god to move and then they got in one accord bless god and the bible said that when the day of pentecost had fully come they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and and it was a it was a it was the holy ghost coming and he filled up the whole place where they were at and the power of god fell on them divided tongues as a fire fell on every one of them praise god they had a windstorm they had a fire storm but it wasn't in the natural it was in the spirit praise God and they spoke with tongues as the spirit of God gave them the utterance and it got, it got so in that upper room that it, that storm came in there that storm of the Holy Ghost and it poured out onto the streets praise God and then Peter stood up under the anointing of God and he preached and about 3,000 people got saved you can see that, that positions would get filled when people would get into one accord the church would grow the building would shake there would be preaching and teaching under the power 
power of God. There'd be the anointing of God flowing. Multitudes of people get saved. Powerful miracles, signs and wonders that happen. Why? Because you had people esteeming God's gifts. You had people flowing with, with the anointing. They were esteeming. They were expectant. They were in one accord. And my God, the power of God came down and sat down on that place. And they didn't have a thunderstorm. They didn't have a snowstorm. But they had a God storm. Can you say amen? Uh, the fire of God, the wind of God, the power of God. And I'm convinced cancers were healed. Tumors left bodies. Blind eyes opened. Lame people got up and walked. Glory to God. Cancers left bodies. Glory to God. Ears popped open. All kinds of good things happened. Why? Because the, the, the apostles were flowing with the power of God. And the people, they came expecting. And they esteemed. And they were in one accord. And they didn't just sit there like a like a like a lump on a log, they said, I'm a conduit. You're either a, I heard this by the Spirit of God, you're either a conduit to the power of God or you're a hindrance to the power of God. Don't be a hindrance, be a conduit. Can you say amen? Now stand with me if you would. Pass out the communion elements, please. And do it as quickly as you can. They'll be passing out the communion elements, the bread and the juice. This is a good time for all of us to take a good, hard, long look at ourselves. Now, while they're passing out the communion elements, I want to say something to you. Lest you think I'm just beating up on anybody in here, I'm really preaching to myself. Because really, I'm almost the number one guilty of this. You don't know how many times, now, now I'm saying this for the benefit of everybody, but there's certain people really need to hear this, where, I don't know if you've noticed, but over the last many, many, many Sundays, I'm out here on Sunday morning to start the service. Over the many years, I'd stay back in my office or whatever. I was here at the church on time, but I'd come out into the service a little later. And I was trying to stay with the presence of God, certainly. But then there were times I'd get out in that foyer myself and I'd talk to people and, and whatnot. Now let me ask you this. At 10 o'clock, should Pastor Terry be out in the foyer talking to people or should Pastor Terry be on the front row worshiping God? All right. Now it's real easy for you to... See, it's real easy for you to preach at me. See, it's a lot easier to preach to somebody else. Did you hear how fast everybody answered that? <laughs> I'm kind of being humorous there. But where should Pastor Terry be at 10 o'clock? Now, see, now they're real quiet. I got my eyes closed. I don't even know who's responding. Where should Pastor Terry be at 10 o'clock? Front row, front and center, ready to roll. Is that right? But I haven't done that faithfully over the years. But, you know, since I've been doing that, I've noticed two things. The anointing has been stronger in here. It gets stronger quicker. And I am more ready to step into the pulpit by the time it's time for me to get in the pulpit. So I've had to judge myself in this. And I fall short sometimes still. I'll fall short a little bit. But, but, but my wife, thank God for a good wife. And she said to me the other day, and it, you know, have you ever had anybody say anything to you and it just slaps you upside the head and you just don't like what they said? Well, you can get offended or you can repent. She said to me, why do you expect the people to be out there at 10 o'clock ready to go? And you're not out there at 10 o'clock ready to go. 
Now, did you ever want to slap your wife? Well, I never would lay a hand on her. I didn't like what she said, but you know I have a choice there. I can be offended or I can repent. I needed to hear what she said, and I've repented. And you'll see me front and center, 10 o'clock, right here, worshiping God. So I'm not asking you to do anything that, I, that I'm not doing. And I've had to repent, and, and you either say amen or say oh me. So let's all take a good, long, strong look at ourselves. I've had to repent along these lines. So you take a good, long, strong look at yourself. And if you need to make an adjustment, now, now on this thing here, a lot of you don't, but some of you probably do, I, and I did. So let's, let's be sure we're esteeming God's gifts. Let's be sure we're doing that. Let's be sure that we're coming esteeming God's gifts. Let's be sure that we're coming to church expectant. And let's be sure that we're coming not just to hear the word of God, not just to get, but to give worship to God. And then let's come in one accord. Now, we've got the one accord down better than we've ever had in 21 years. I, there, there's no strife that I see in this church at all. That's good. But these other things we need to work on still a little bit. Okay? Expectancy and esteem. So let's make any adjustments we need to make. Don't Now, when you leave here today, you're going to have a, have a chance to be offended at some of the things I said. Or you can straighten up and get all that God has for you. I sense in the spirit there's, there's somebody here that you took offense at what I said about the rainbow a while ago. Listen, listen, listen. How do I know that word of knowledge in operation? I know it by the spirit. You took some offense to that. Actually, there's more than one, but there's one person really took offense to that. Listen, I have to stand up here and speak what God tells me to speak. And listen, go look at your Bible. Don't take my word for it. Go look at your Bible and see what God has to say about homosexuality and all sin. And then make, make your final decision on the things that I've said. God loves homosexuals, but he hates the sin. Just like God loves liars, but he hates the sin. Just like God loves adulterers, but he hates the sin. So you go take a look at that before you get offended. And walk in that offense, because that offense, if you let it go, it'll fester. And it'll grow into a root of bitterness, and it'll keep you from all God has for you. Hallelujah. Father, we judge ourselves now. You said if we judge ourselves, we'd not be judged. You said if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just.